You're listening to Have Mike Will Travel with Elizabeth Santry. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. Welcome to the show. This podcast is about creativity, the professional aspects of creativity. Well, you could also say it's about creative thinking. You see, a career in a creative profession typically means carving your own path and making a lot of important decisions alone. And when competition is fierce and the market's uncertain, getting firsthand insight can really help. Join me as I interview full-time creative professionals and ask them to reflect on these really important moments in their career. Each episode, my guests open up about significant and sometimes even subtle choices that have led to their success. I know it can feel lonely out there, so I hope you find their stories as inspiring as I do. So I'm settling into Toronto, and I realize uh, the neighbor where I'm staying is a musician. I rented a room in the Trinity Bellwood section. It's right off Queen Street. And every time I came in or out of the apartment, I could hear someone giving voice lessons. It was great. So this was actually close to where I was headed. I had an interview at Graven Feathers Studio. I booked some time with the director and the co-founder, Pam Lobb. She's very in tune to fine art and craft practices, and she specializes in printmaking. The studio space doubles as a gallery as well as a space for artists and residents. Pam is working really hard and has reached the four-year mark as a partner in a creative business, a small business. For someone to speak with vulnerability and sincerity is so amazing. When they're talking about both the positive and the negative aspects of their work, it's, to me, incredibly strong and noble because it's a valuable and honest contribution to the creative community. Sharing knowledge is amazing, but sharing your experience and sharing your perspective, it can provide a much deeper insight because it really makes a difference between knowing something and understanding it. Pam was able to talk about her creative endeavor in a way that I really felt like I understood what she was going through and what the experience is like. This is such a core value of the show. I was so glad to meet with her. I hope you enjoy this episode. Pam, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being in your studio. It's cozy and underground. That's pretty cool. You can see the the passerbyers walk by the window. Yeah, we're really lucky that we have these really large windows for being in a base. Well, large considered for basement windows large. Right, right. right. No, that's awesome. Thanks for having me. So uh, how long have you been in this space? We've been here for four and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was started by three of us. So before that, I had, before starting Graven Feather, I had a lot of the equipment in my apartment. Mm, wow. And then uh, I was moving apartments and needed a place to put my stuff and found some friends and we, we decided wow. to start the space. So it was kind of out of one of those quick necessity moments where yeah. you're like, I need to move some stuff. Anybody want to work together? What could we do? And then we saw the application for this space. And oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, that's a great story. And I just want to back it up and say, you know, t- talk me through how you got to Toronto and what does Toronto mean for you creatively? Toronto, I moved here because my boyfriend was here. And uh, it also seemed like the right place to move as an artist after school. Finished school, gone to work a little bit in Germany, and then he was here. So then I moved here. So that was a nice transition. Yeah, you far I, away from here? I, no, about, I grew up in a small town, Clinton, Ontario, which is about two and a half hours away, a little bit more than that. And then studied at the University of Guelph, which is about an hour and a 
in a bit from here. So mm -hmm. it's been like a slow migration over. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And then did the city call to you as in terms of, it doesn't call to the creatives around here. Is it the place to be? Yeah. And I think for me, like I had, um, I got a job after school working part-time in Guelph. So I was drawn to that city, but then moved here with my boyfriend and I commuted back and forth. So it took me a little while to get my like creative grounding in yeah. the city because I had a lot going on and was greyhounding it back and forth. Right. I think a lot of yeah. people do it that way because it seems almost, not to say like suggest that you're looking for the easy way out, but it's just hard and sometimes intimidating or you just don't have the opportunities just right in front of your face in this new city you want to be in. You have to sort of tiptoe in and like yeah that's exactly what I did so it's like slowly doing a little bit here or going to an event here or volunteering at one place but I'd say I yeah it took me a little while to like ease into the arts community mm -hmm. if I know it sounds a bit harsh to say like if you could do it all different like would you kind of slam into Toronto and try a bit like bolder or two did you weeks like ago you did it? I had a volunteer show up into our space and she's like hey I like printmaking. Do you want me to do anything? And like right away, she like came to a party with us and blah, 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 blah. And she's just volunteered to like help paint murals. And all of a sudden, she's got this network of people really quick. Like she's yeah. um, coming from Melbourne. And yeah, I was like, wow, that's the way to do it. She just like walked in and was like, I like these things. That's and awesome. Yeah. So I was, I was like, wow, I, that's not my personality type. I'm so much more shy. I'd like walk around, wait for someone to talk to me. And then... But I was like, yeah, that is, that's the way to do it. Yeah, because <laughs> it is so intimidating, mm -hmm. you know. So, okay, so you've been here in total. How long have you been in Toronto? Uh, seven years. Okay. Maybe a bit more. Yeah. Okay. Fine art specifically. Uh, you, can you talk to me about the fine art community in Toronto and what that's like? And do you qualify? Do you identify as a fine artist in that way? I don't want to, like, put words in your mouth. Um, yeah, that funny, like, craft and fine art yeah. division. Uh I, I think I'm definitely on the cusp of the two, so a lot of the things that we do are considered craft, and then for myself, my personal work is printmaking and textile work, so often those are grouped into craft, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so printmaking specifically, that, that community is nice because it's pretty small, and just by nature, printmaking is very dependent on the sharing of equipment. So in that regard, you get little hubs where people are going to share things and you can meet people. Wow, okay. Um, and that said, too, like, I, d I don't have a huge connection, some, but not a huge connection with, like, a, like the painting community and maybe, like, those I see. different, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you started off sculpting, yes? Yeah. So is that carried over at all, or is it just a pure transition into printmaking? Partly just because that, the, the, uh, space issue mm. but after I f when I was at the University of Guelph I did a course called experiential learning and you just had to find a placement related to your field and it's kind of like a co-op placement that kind of thing and I worked with a printmaker and then after I finished school she hired me part-time for five years so just by the nature of being surrounded and involved in printmaking projects, that's where a lot of my training came from. Mm -hmm. and yet, yeah. In the field, that's really yeah. great. Because um, that could be a conversation for, like, this show brings up the debate of going to school versus not going to school. But I want to get into, for you specifically, I feel like you have a strong mentorship story because, you know, an apprenticeship, I think yeah. that's, that's like almost like it's, a lost art. It's really, really rare. It's kind of crazy that it happened, and, yeah, I don't, take for granted how special that was we became really good friends and 
it was definitely wor worth the like the trek back and forth to maintain the relationship. Yeah, yeah. to greyhound it every day to work. Wow. And yeah, it just being and she works in a building that's full of artists. For myself, coming from a small town, I like I knew my art teacher, and then I decided I want like I didn't know any artists, and then I went to university, and then you're surrounded by you know professors, and it's like a ultra-professional setting. Mm -hmm. But then after finishing school and going into her building and it being so much more relaxed, where across the hall you have a stained-glass artist and then you have somebody else and everybody's coming over and giving each other these quick, like, informal critiques and just that sharing of, like, tools and knowledge and opinions that is, it was really refreshing sort of view of the arts community for me. And how did you land that relationship in terms of uh, how to give, you know, insight or advice to others just to walk through what you did about such a key relationship that seems to have made a really strong imprint on your career? Like what would, you know, what's, what was that story like to help other people understand how to do it for themselves? Like I, I just asked mm -hmm. around. I asked um, the technician at our school. Yeah, just kind of putting the word out and then is often worked out for me. Like if people pass that info on to their friends and kind of bring it together. It was pretty organic, but yeah, I definitely looked up, you know, just checking out opportunities and then putting out a lot of feelers to people and um, hoping that it comes back. That was that, it, like for example, at school, that program was more, people went to institutions, but I asked if they could accommodate having this and then by accommodating that, asked if I could get this. And mm -hmm. so just asking if the, what can be accommodated within programs and asking if you can like stretch it or make it work for I you. see, I see. Yeah. Cool. So talk me through the moment you, like you had started to mention it, the moment you recognized this need for this space and, and what that was, that journey was like for you, like what you were going through, Did you, you know, maybe even the fear of it not working and things like that. Like what were you balancing in your head while you were trying to launch this project, this space? It really came together fast. I knew I needed to move. I knew there was somebody interested. Uh, the building that we're in is, um, the organization is called Artscape. It's a nonprofit organization in Toronto that uh, takes old buildings, renovates them, and then rents them out to artists. So these spaces don't come up that often. And they're, they're great. There's a whole bunch of them through the city. They're quite a big organization in Toronto. Um, but when it came up, it's an application process to, you know, see if you fit within the parameters of who they're renting to. And so it really came together fast. So one of the beautiful things about it is we didn't have time to get scared. It was like we had oh. a week and a half <laughs> to, like, pick a business name or pick a name for our collective, find a third member, write what we were going to do and how it fit with their mandate. So... That, I may be thankful that we just jumped in because right. <laughs> because then, like, looking at a lot of our other friends that have collectives, and I mean, it's it's amazing, you know, they've had, they have these formal business plans and whatever, but it takes them forever to start, and in a way, just having to, like, be forced into it, and being like, yeah, okay, that's what I need. I need a place for this. We could do this. It says that they require us having public engagement. We could totally do that. And yeah. Then, that's yeah, funny. so that... Kind of, yeah, take, just grabbing the opportunity. I love what you're saying because uh, self-doubt can really cripple It totally. You. Even just now that it has started, even when we go to make a new decision, I'm like, thank goodness we didn't have to go through, like, 
this when we started or else we wouldn't have started because even like making small changes once you've started with especially with a group of people mm-hmm. takes a lot of negotiating and mm-hmm. yeah the dynamic i understand yeah. so how did you come up with the name again we had a <laughs> all, all of us had um we wanted because we were starting with a loose plan we wanted something that wasn't going to define um just did paper sculpture and graphic design Aaron does illustration and I did printmaking and sculpture, and so we wanted something that we could grow into that was mm-hmm. going to be a little bit ambiguous because we weren't sure what direction right, it was going to take. Right. And then we all happened to have natural like imagery. We, we all had we all had like plants and like flora and fauna in our work. So then the feather, and then graven being the past tense of engraving. So oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. We were uh, we were very close to being called the feathered pair, <laughs> which would have been unfortunate. <laughs> Again, you didn't have yeah. time to, yeah. <laughs> to mess about. That's funny. So what is the process of changing disciplines and mediums? You know what I mean? Like if you can, it's sort of, I'm sort of jumping in time. But if we can go back to the decision to change, you know, because I think some people, especially now when things cost money um, and there's an intimidation that you have to know what you're doing and be really great at it in order to be noticed and get work or whatever, um, it can be intimidating to change because you think, oh, fuck, I've put all this energy into this thing and I've gotten support, whether it's from your family or, you know, going to school, stuff like that. I guess just knowing you can work it in later. Mm -hmm. So that's what, for the the first maybe, so I finished school and then started working for Tammy Ratcliffe, the printmaker, and then um, I did really like more traditional flat print work. But now I, I'm incorporating sculpture into my prints, so I'm treating them more sculpturally. Yeah, I can see what you're saying about the intimidation of switching mediums, because before my work was more saleable, and I've just started doing some installation pieces, which are totally not for sale, <laughs> because they're these giant paper fabric sculptures. I guess just knowing that you can work backwards and forwards with yeah, it. Yeah, like, I like what you're saying. It you didn't worry. Yeah, because... You're still probably going to be doing a bit of the other one that you started with. And say if you were switching from painting to sculpture, like the, the friends that I have that have done that too just end up painting on their sculpt. Like mm. elements end up back and forth between them. Or maybe also because I've collaborated a lot with other artists in different disciplines and doing that where they do you know, one kind of thing and then also on top of it. Or and you were shown that that's possible, so you didn't yeah, start it. That's cool. Yeah. I okay. get, you can you can always go back. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except for like if you bought a lot of tools, yeah, you can right. always trade those <laughs> for sure. Or sell them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how is it uh, competing in a digital age, doing craft and fine art printmaking and stuff that's you know analog? So uh, I guess I'll mention here too that in our space at Graven Feather, we have it's our studio for my business partner and I. There's two of us now. But also we do workshops and we have artist residencies. So artists come in and use our equipment uh, for four weeks at a time, which is a really one of my favorite things that we have in the space. And then we have the gallery component. But with workshops, being in a digital age has kind of been, you know, a really great thing for us because we teach uh, letterpress workshops is one of them. And I'd say, I don't know. Like, half of the people that we teach are graphic designers that want to do something with their hands. I see. There's a real, real desire to become physical with their creative process because so many people 
are doing things all day long at a desk, like whether they're, we have a lot of you know young professionals that have office jobs or that kind of thing or work in government, and they'll come and to just do something physical and creative for graphic designers to use even the terminology that all comes from letterpress and get yeah. to be limited is an interesting thing to watch people do. Oh, that's funny. Because people will want to do like, oh, I want to curve this, and it's like, you can't. Like, <laughs> there's all these different design things to watch people have to become creative once they encounter a limitation within a process. Wow, yeah. It's very different than working on the computer where you can add a layer, do this, do yeah. this. Yeah, it must be stimulating for yeah. me as well. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is that it kind of resolves itself because people have their own reasons to want to explore these previous processes that you're not even needing to sell the idea of it. People are coming because yeah. they're craving it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the, and the tactile experience of touching what they've made after and the textures like in letterpress feeling the look, all those small details, yeah. And how do you manage... The concerns, you know, when I talk to a lot of people who are creative and then go into business for themselves, you end up taking on this whole other monster that you didn't really foresee, which is, you know, accounting or accounting. just <laughs> and bookmaking, all that stuff, yeah. bookmaking, <laughs> sorry, that was a slip because I'm in a printmaking <laughs> shop, um, bookkeeping, yeah. you know, those things that aren't, that have nothing to do with being, well, I say an artist, but you know, I think creativity is not limited to art. You can be a creative thinker in any capacity, but still, I'm talking about just basic innate skills and gifts. And sometimes running a business is not something that comes naturally, and it can almost spoil the yeah. patch. Something that uh, that's for sure. Getting the opportunity to switch gears and going from this being the business that I'm running where I'm booking people in to teach something, I'm having a resident come in and I'm helping show them how to do stuff, to taking it as my personal space, that is really hard to negotiate. And I found a useful way for me, I've been trying to manage it, is uh, dedicating blocks of time where I'm off. Okay. So whether that's in here, which is really hard, because there's always like, oh, I should just do this first. Oh, there's that receipt that blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But doing residencies out of here has been an interesting way of trying to balance that, which sounds funny to run a studio but then have to go to another studio to make right. work. But it actually has been pretty fantastic for uh, last, last year I did a residency at Sparkbox Studio, and a couple years ago I did one at the Vermont Studio Center. And getting that dedicated time to start an idea, I didn't finish them. So whether you finish them or not, but starting something takes a lot of focus. And then I can bring it back here and work on it. Mm -hmm. But also going and and even for like business-wise, getting all of the inspiration from how other places run their studios and um, how what artists need for their spaces, especially because we have artists here that do different mediums that I'm not familiar with, and just talking to people about how their process is, what do they do, what do they need, and talking to Sparkbox, like, how do you guys handle your business? How do you do that? Because they have a similar setup, which um, I think maybe for artists, sharing how you do stuff is normal. Like, we, we do it all the time. But for small businesses, when do you get together and be like, what do you guys do for your accounting? Exactly. <laughs> Which is, I, I found really useful um, in that regard. So, and I guess maybe an interesting thing that started this year too is there's a group of Toronto studios uh, that have just got together last few months called the Toronto Studio Commons. And that's going to be part of our focus is uh, dealing with small studios, spaces like 
the challenges we face, like business challenges, advertising challenges, because none of us, well, maybe some of us, most of us don't have any business training. Right, and sadly it's not for most art schools. I can't talk about every one, but uh, from what I understand in my experience as well is that that's not, that's almost like the last thing on the docket to talk about. I feel like I got like a one-hour seminar my seat my final year of undergraduate school like oh so you're gonna try to want to make money at this maybe this is what you should consider and it was like an hour i'm like what you know? yeah or like <laughs> this is what grants look like good luck yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> hope yours is good <laughs> we won't help you write one but this is what they're called yeah, yeah. and one day you might be competing with us like the institution yeah, yeah, themselves you're sure. like how can i even so I, what i also love that you're talking about is um uh, a topic that can come up when people run small businesses from their own space, like home specifically, mm-hmm. literally, and the challenge of working from home, because that can be, you know, you, get, you deal with isolation and loneliness, you deal with lack of structure, some people find it hard to, like, know what time to take their pajamas off, you yeah. know, that kind of thing, but then you're adding another layer, because you have a space that isn't, you don't live in, but yet in that realm, you're still saying that it's still possible to feel stagnant, it's still possible to be overrun by things and even though you're in this dedicated creative space yeah it, it, you're not getting you're all the often, functions yeah you're often dedicating it to being other people being creative in the space and then I, a lot of the studios that i talk to um the great thing in toronto is like there's a lot of tiny studios there's a lot of tiny studios like ours um and we're facing like similar po- challenges like that so but what I love yeah. that you're bringing up is what I try to do, one of the goals of the show is to have people say things out loud that are professionals and good at what they do and that it registered in someone else's mind that was like, wow, I was struggling with that as well. The fact that somebody said it out loud, I feel mm-hmm. less I feel less isolated with my problem and then I feel yeah. – because so, I think there's this thing when people feel like their problem isn't a, a unique problem that's normal, they sort of get over it faster. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So the idea of someone who is working in a creative space and is like, Am I, is it me? Am I not able to focus? Here I am supposed to be able to focus, and you're... In, That's in my, biggest, my biggest challenge, having this space, is being able to switch back and forth, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Pam, I wanted to talk about, uh, which I always ask my guests, is about uncertainty, and just that crossroad, because I feel like sharing it is just really empowering for, you know, for other people to hear, um, to help in decision-making moments. And oftentimes it's a story in the past of something that somebody's gone through or experienced and they can kind of like wrap it up and make it a full story. But um, if, correct me if I'm wrong, in your case, you're kind of dealing with a crossroad in the moment. It's happening right now. So you don't necessarily have resolution, but you're in it. And so I would love if you could talk about professionally the crossroad you're going through right now. Yeah, we, so we've been going for four and a half years. And we've gone through a few transitions. There used to be three of us and then one member left to go back to school. And for the last few, it's been two. And so coming up to the four-year mark has felt pretty significant for thinking about where we want to go with the business. Uh, I guess the nature of art collectives and that kind of business, too, is, you know, it's not as clear-cut as a regular business. You don't have, like, we sell coffee. Right, right. This is what we do. Yes. It's more like we do, like we've started, you know, the residencies, we've started a gallery, we've started exhibiting artists, we've started doing this and then picking, you know, kind of evaluating for the two business partners, like what's providing the most satisfaction, like at the four-year mark thinking this is really like picking our direction almost, I think. And so since January, this has been, it, it's been a huge 
think to tackle what like creating a mandate of mm. what are we now? Because I would have thought and in four years you would have almost been been like, whew, we're out of the woods. Like we're just I know, now coasting. Almost, That's a long time we're to like, be at something like this. Oh, if, if anything, we were like, yeah, and then we'll try this and we'll try this. And it's like, okay, we've tried a lot of things. What works for the space? for what we've now created as like Graven Feather as this third entity, which has been something we've been talking about is there's myself, my business partner, Aaron, and now we have this third entity that's Graven Feather. What is good for Graven Feather? What's good for Aaron? What's good for me? And what do we need to be getting out of it for each of us to be like thriving, which is as people. Yeah, as people. So, you know, financially what we need out of it, creatively what we need out of it, and trying to reconcile that for all directions is... I'm wondering if professionally is two harder than three because two becomes almost sort of black, like things can kind of get black and white because if they're not, if you're not matching in the middle, same need, same want, same vision, because three can sometimes almost change the balance a little bit. So it's yeah. like not so, well, you're getting what you want here and I'm not, or, you know, not yeah. to say that it's that yeah. petty or anything but you know what it I mean. is it's yeah it's one of those things where you're it's every meeting gets negotiated well not negotiated differently but you you look at it in a new way each time and so you know just changing things that are hard to do within a very small business slash art endeavor oh also is we used to you know for a long time we considered it like a almost as not so much as a business but an art project like this space we've created you know let's see how it goes it's like the biggest art project we've made mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. by you know facilitating these um installations performances blah, blah 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 and and then trying to look at it in a way that sustains us as people as a business and trying to decide that direction mm-hmm. um one one way of working out What's a, a good and kind of organic way for us to be, you know, shifting into a more business-focused setting is, you know, picking up on what each of us likes. And so there were certain things where I don't mind the the accounting. I mean, I don't love it, and I've had to teach myself it, but I don't mind having to teach myself mm-hmm. that and picking up who likes what parts. And one way of, of figuring out, you know, moving direction with, with the space is before we were co-directors. And now I'm the director and my business partner um, is the artist liaison and a media contact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've definitely got in business consultants to help us with it, Uh, two different ones. It's it's a huge task to change. It's like a, like our joke, like our work marriage, like you have to changing dynamics with and, and roles within is really challenging because we're both very sensitive to feel good about how your new role is and also feel good about knowing the other person is happy with theirs mm-hmm. um yeah you're, that's that's been the biggest challenge of the business it's it's great that you're acknowledging how much need to say flux is mm-hmm. you know because uh for the growth and for the for the proper growth and for the two of us like your your life needs change mm-hmm. and that just changes your business needs which changes your partnership needs with your business partner and all so just being yeah, flexible uh, I don't know if I would say it's true across like the board of all artists but I do know a lot of creative people who are passionate about a lot of things want to try a lot of things and sometimes it's hard to admit when you're not good at something and I think that must come up a lot in in sustaining a business because 
there's no faking not being good at business stuff. And I, that can be anything from being really great at communications and following up on emails to uh, paying bills on time to, you know, having your contact with the outside world being... Marketing. Yeah, all that <laughs> not stuff. Not good at it. <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, when it's not working yeah. and you're not doing it, it's super obvious. Like mm -hmm. when you see a website that hasn't been updated in two years and you can tell, yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, how has it been kind of acknowledging, you know, without it kind of taking a little bit of a little ego away do you know what I mean yeah no that for sure is hard to be like it's not that hard there's a program for it <laughs> but then making the time to use the yeah, program because yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're just you're not very excited about it it's hard to dedicate the time when you're like I'll do it as soon as I'm done these emails so marketing has been something that I know that I have a hard time keeping up with. And it's all of those things where it's not that they're complicated, it's just right. I'm not good at staying on top. And so Aaron became the, the press contact. Aaron doesn't like organizing projects as much. And these are things that we all, like, you, we learn the hard way of, like, I was a, not doing so well at the one. And so then the other person picks it up, and um, she doesn't enjoy the organizing and planning of you know, bigger projects with people, so then I've picked up those, and yeah, so balancing out who can either handle it or enjoy it more, yeah. I guess. Yeah, is there anything you could, would have told yourself when you first got started that you know now? We, we got connected with a, a business consultant through a friend, another small studio space that they've, they've been working with, and luckily she works through Barter, which is how almost all of our transactions <laughs> take place. That I would I would have contacted a business consultant sooner just to help break down a year's timeline, whether it happens or not, but mm. to be thinking that forward. Planning. Um, the the planning and recognizing the limitations being because often most of the things that we do, people approach us and it all happens very organically, but maybe being more deliberate about how we um, divide our time. I think often people are asked to do, like creative people are asked to do things that, you know, aren't super lucrative, but then as we've been trying to transition more into a business and sustaining ourselves, um, just being smarter about what projects we take, and not that we don't want to do those projects, but maybe um, budgeting the amount of time that we put into them yeah, better, which is yeah. uh, just small things like that that would have been more useful in the beginning to have someone yeah, kind of take what you do, like, you tell them what you do, and then they tell it back to you in this, like, very different way, and it's all the information you gave them, but you're like, oh, no, that doesn't make sense, <laughs> but you needing someone from outside right. who has that different way of putting together all the pieces and, and saying it back and presenting, like, another vision of how you could do it, that doing that sooner would have been, you know, Who's to say? They probably would have been good. <laughs> All right. I mean, it's always, yeah. it's one of those things where it's tons of stuff, I'm sure. Yeah. It, and it's not meant to make you feel any sense of regret. But, it, but, but if, if anything, it was, um, it was like a real confidence builder. So maybe that's why it would have been better to do in earlier because we did feel really confident after we were like oh wow and look at all of these things we were able to do we could totally blah 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 yeah. make that work and that's cool yeah so what is like uh, something you're excited about or the future of the studio or something that just you think is really making a strong impression and just working and makes you happy um, one of my favorite things at the studio is the artist residencies so we have artists that come in for four weeks 
use the equipment, and I really have found over the time of uh, running the space, I love being a technician, and so getting the opportunity to, to work with people that you know, aren't um, familiar with printmaking, and if they're interested in learning it, sharing that with them, or um, just learning from them as they work, and getting, it's like getting a little injection of energy into the space each month. People are, you know, they're excited and watching them take and execute a project is, yeah, one of the, the more satisfying things that we do. So we're, we've kind of had a slow build to them, but that's, I'd say, like one of the, the key things moving forward that I'd like to do is start expanding and, and promoting that more and getting more artists through the space. Mm-hmm. And are they local or are you, are you taking them from Currently, wherever? they're local. Uh, because we don't have accommodation, mm. we we mostly get artists that are, you know, maybe they're also working, and so it, they, they're coming on the weekends, or they're coming during the day if they work nights, and so that's been fun, having um, one artist, consi- like, called it her gym membership. She's like, mm-hmm. I bought it, so I have to go, like, every day to make the most. Yeah. Um, well, that's another thing I thought might be fun energy-wise is... Uh, the people coming in here know that it's a finite amount of time. So yeah. they're probably even extra psyched. And they extra are extra, revved. yeah, for sure. And they're, you know, making every minute count. And then just watching how they manage their time, too, is, you know, it's exciting. Because then when I'm feeling, as I mentioned before, I'm like, oh, I, how do I make stuff? Like, how am I going to get into this project for my personal work when I have this other thing to do? But then somebody else will come in and they'll just have come from work and then they'll start this other thing and then it, it's exciting and energizing in the space for me too. That's great because it seems like you found a way to not only like, resolve something within you but by helping other people, by, yeah. by like sharing and giving what you know and the, and the materials and the tools to help other people but in a way it's also helping and resolving things for yourself. That's so great. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I hope for the best and I really, Thank really you. appreciate you making the time to meet with me. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. Be sure to show your support through comments and reviews. 